Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the Kirk Church Podcast. I'm Aaron Elmore, lead pastor at Kirk of the Hills, located in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is where you can hear messages from all our pastors and guest speakers. Make sure to subscribe and share with anyone who follows the Kirk. If you want to know more about us, visit us at thekirk.com, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at the Kirk Church. Let's get started with today's episode. pastor here at the Kirk, and uh, I'm really excited about this series that's ahead of us. Uh, Psalm 139, while all the psalms are incredible, uh, this one is my favorite. And I think it just, I have a history of God speaking through this psalm to me of reminding me who he is and how big and great he is, and in light of that, uh, also giving me a reality check, a good one, on who I am uh, in light of who he is. And so, uh, it's kind of my go-to psalm, and so when I learned we got to do a series on this, and I thought, this is great, and I have the opportunity to kick it off for us, which is exciting, and it's broken down into like four, six-verse chunks, and so each week we'll cover six verses of it. Today I will cover the first six, and uh, the series is communion, and we're not talking about the sacrament of communion, taking the Lord's Supper. We're talking about relationship with God and the communion that we have with him and what this psalm says about that, how it speaks into it. Uh, Aaron wrote a helpful intro to this series. You might have seen it in the email or the newsletter this week. And I just want to read it again because it's just helpful as we think about where we're going here. He said, Communion with God is the reason that we were created. It involves both knowing God and being known by him. Psalm 139 presents a beautiful and multifaceted picture of the many of the key attributes of God, including his omniscience, omnipresence, omnipotence, and personal nature. This hymn of worship was written to deepen our communion with God. And there are some big words in there. Uh, basically, what this psalm is going to tell us is that God knows all things. We're going to talk about that today, that he is everywhere, he's in all places, and that he's all-powerful. He's sovereign over all things and has control, and also that he's personal, that he's interested in the smallest details uh, of our lives. And so it's something that we long for, and it's something we want to encourage in you all, is deeper communion with God. And I would say that communion with God, this comes from my own experience, communion with God is complicated, and it's messy. And I think part of the reason for that is that our communion with God, we often model after our communion and relationship with each other. And we know that our relationships with each other are complicated and messy and hard to figure out sometimes. And sometimes we get hurt in the midst of those. And so we don't always know what to do in communion with God. I would also say this. I think that being known, being really known, is one of our deepest desires. It's one of the things that we want the most. And I would also say that being known is one of our greatest fears. So those are on two ends. And it has to do with relationship and with the fear of rejection. We tend to think if people know everything about us, they're not going to like us so much. They're not going to want to be in a relationship. And yet, the only way we're going to find true relationship is if they know stuff about us, if they really know who we are. So it's complicated. We have this longing to be known, and God made us for relationship. So I'm going to tell you something about me. I always like to, to tell you a little bit more uh, just of who I am as we're talking about 
being known. Um, I'm a pretty, in general, reserved person, kind of quiet, but I do like to have fun. And so when I was a senior in high school, uh, I decided to run for student government, and that doesn't sound all that fun, but I decided to run for secretary of morale because that was like the one position none of my friends were running for. And so I, I ran for that, and I got it, which meant I got to plan all the pep rallies. So that was really fun. And the most important part was it meant that I got to put on the Thunderbird costume and, like, run around at football games and basketball games and be goofy. Um, and it's easier to do that stuff when, like, you've got a mask on, right, when you've got your head covered. Only my friends really knew that it was me. Everyone else, I could just do silly things, and they didn't know. Uh, and you would think that maybe that desire to have fun in that way would uh, grow out of me as I got older, but it really hasn't. I still like to wear masks. Um, these are pictures of me in the last few years wearing masks and costumes. Uh, some of the students would know even from last uh, Halloween, the Wednesday night, like I have a whole bag of masks. So I just kept leaving the room and like walking in with a different mask like every five minutes. That was probably confusing. Um, but it's fun, right? It gives you a chance to be someone else, to pretend, uh, to surprise people, all those kinds of things. Uh, but here's what I also know about me. Uh, that in my life, I've struggled with wearing masks in a different kind of way. Uh, especially when it comes to meeting new people, joining new groups, going into new schools, whatever it may be. Uh, there's a tendency for, probably not just me, but a lot of us, to put on a mask to try to feel out if this is a safe group, safe people, to try to be who we think they want us to be instead of being who we really are. And so that's been a challenge as well. And it's a lot easier to take off these masks than it is to take off the ones that we put on in our relationships with one another. But here's the deal that I've learned. You can only be truly loved if you're truly known. When we put on a mask and we pretend to be somebody else and people start to like us, there comes a point, I think, where we realize they don't really like me. They like this person that I'm pretending to be, which is why you can be, uh, maybe find yourself in a place in life where you feel like you're surrounded by friends, but you're lonely because you feel like nobody really knows me for who I am. I need to take off this mask. I need to be who God created me to be. And so why do we do that? Why do we put on the masks? I think because it's safer to pretend. And it's safe to pretend because when the time of rejection does come, which it does in this world with people, when someone doesn't like us, it's easier to take that. It doesn't hurt as much when they realize they don't like this role that I'm playing as opposed to they really know me and they don't like me. And so it's easier to pretend. It's easier to wear the mask. And taking off the mask is a big risk. It really is. But what we want to talk about today as we look at this psalm is that it's different with God. It's not the same with God as it is with each other. And in our own relationships, we want to learn to be open and to take the risk. And sometimes it bites us, and sometimes we find great life in that. But being honest with God is always going to be good. It's not risky, like you might think that it would be. It's different. We can try to pretend, we can try to play that game with God, but it just doesn't work. And here's why. Hebrews 4.13 says this, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. 
everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. He sees it all. We can't pretend. When we pretend, it's like the kid playing hide-and-go-seek that just, they go to hide and they stand there like this. Like, it doesn't work. God sees right through it. He knows all about us. And so, when we hear, when we start to learn and we read in his word that God is all-knowing, that he does see everything, he knows everything, we tend to have uh, some different reactions to that. And two of them are kind of on polar opposites. One is that we can be glad about it. We can think it's good. We can adore him and praise him for how great he is, uh, for his bigness, for his knowledge, that he knows all those details, and we can take security in that. And we can also, at the same time, be apprehensive. It can be scary to think, oh, he knows that? He knows what I did there? I call it the principal effect from my own, mostly, time in middle school. And what I mean by that is whenever the principal would walk into a classroom that I was in, I saw that people had different reactions. You had some people uh, who had good experiences with the principal and who kind of like their heart was happy and they thought, good news is coming, or am I going to get an award again? Or what's, what's this going to be about? Like, yay! And then there were people like me who the reaction was, uh-oh, does she know? Did that teacher tell her? Do I have another detention coming? Uh, that was generally my response. And there's people all in between. And it kind of depends on like where we are in relationship, right? If we've got something to hide, we don't want someone to know, and we don't want God to know. If we feel like we're living the right way and we're following him, we feel all right knowing that God knows everything. But here's what I would say. It's true of a principle and it's true of God. A good principle loves the students. And whether the interaction has to be a good, happy one or it has to be a hard one of discipline, both of those are for the purpose of guiding students to where they need to be and helping them be the best student that they can be. And principles can take a bad rap, uh, but they're trying to do good for students. And I think what we want to remember as we read the scriptures that God is for us. We've been talking about the last four weeks about being for, being for each other and for our city and for the world. And we need to remember that first, God is for us. That we don't have to worry so much about what he knows because in all of it, he wants to move us forward in a healthy way into deeper relationship with him and to take us to where he wants to be. And David learned that lesson in his life. I think it took him a while too, but he got to a place where he realized like being honest with God and just open with him is healthy and it's good. And that's why I think most of us love the book of Psalms so much. It's like reading his prayer journal. It's like being able to see him just pour out his heart before the Lord. He bears his heart and his soul before God in these words. He expresses his frustrations. He expresses his fears, his joys, his praise, his longings, his doubts. He's practicing communion with God right in front of us, and we get to see what that looks like to have that kind of relationship. David trusted God. He had done his fair share of hiding in his life, especially from Saul, but you can read the stories of David hiding, and he decided he didn't want to hide anymore, especially from God. He wanted something deeper, and he discovered something deeper in just how much God knows about him. And so as we get into his words 
we first want to look at the fact that God knows our hearts. He knows our hearts. David says right at the start, verse 1, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. And that sounds like a simple statement, but I think he's taking that to the deepest levels, talking about, like, God knows the stuff way down deep in here. He knows all the hard things that we don't want to share with anybody, those things that we like to hold close. But God knows those things. He knows our motivations. He knows why we do the things we do, even if it looks like we're doing something good, we're doing it for the wrong reason. He knows that. He knows when we're doing it for the right reasons, and nobody else sees it. He knows our longings and our fears. He knows our desires and our doubts. He knows our loves and regrets. He knows every emotion that you feel in every moment. He knows every need that you have. He understands it all. The deepest stuff God knows. Then you go to verses 2 and 3, and it tells us that God knows our actions. Okay, this is where we start to get nervous, maybe. He said, you know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. And I think about, I just wonder, like, what David was thinking about when he wrote we see so much of his life in scripture and he's sitting there thinking about all the things God knows about him or knew in the past and I imagine maybe what crossed his mind were all those nights and days when he took the sheep out into the fields as a shepherd and at night as he laid down out in the wilderness and put his head on a rock and looked up at the stars and then he hears a wild animal coming after the sheep and he has to get up and, and fight it off to protect the sheep he had been entrusted with that God saw that. He wasn't actually out there by himself. I can imagine him thinking about standing before Goliath, having taken off the king's armor because it just wasn't going to work. And he picks up the stones. He's going to be the one to defend the honor of God and God's people because no one else will. And he trusted God in that moment. God knew it. God saw it. I can imagine he probably also was thinking about God knowing his thoughts and his actions as he stood on the balcony and looked down at Bathsheba and all the actions that took place after that, which led him to some really dark places in his life. God saw it all, every step that he took. And it's true for us as well. As you can think, you can just think about anything, but let me give you some examples. Maybe you can relate to God sees it when you or sad, or angry, or you need a moment by yourself, and you go out and you take the walk around the block praying to him. God sees you walking by yourself. He sees you when you pull up Netflix or YouTube because you're really just trying to procrastinate from doing your homework or the housework or any other kind of work that you have to do. He sees you in those moments. He sees you when the kids aren't with you and you stop to grab a donut or two out there by yourself. I've done that lots of times. He sees us. He sees us on those restless nights when we can't sleep, and we lie awake staring at the ceiling, praying, wondering, worried about whatever it may be. He knows what it is, and he knows what's going to happen with it, and he sees us laying there. He sees all the moments 
the dance moves you show off when no one's around, the time you broke that thing and you blamed it on your sister or your brother, he saw that. The times you did the right thing and nobody else saw it, but you knew it was right. And it wasn't the easiest thing to do, but you did it anyway. He saw that. He sees it all. And then we go to verse 4, and it tells us that God knows our words. There's this book that I've had and used in youth ministry for a long time called Would You Rather? And we use it a lot. It just basically gives you two options, and then you have to decide, would you rather do this or rather do that? Most of them are really silly. Some of them are kind of serious, but one that sticks out in my mind uh, and always has is one that says, would you rather have to say out loud everything that comes to mind or not be able to ever speak again? And that's an easy one for me. I would not be speaking ever again because I think we all know that if we had to say out loud everything that comes to mind, we would be in bad shape. That would not be good. The interesting thing is that I think David is trying to tell us that that's how it is with God. Even the words that we don't say out loud, he knows. He knows them all. And that was true of David and it's true for us. Let me read you another list. God knows the life-giving words that you've spoken to people. And he knows the words that have torn people down. He knows the words that you've yelled at the top of your voice, and he knows the words that you were wise enough to never let cross your lips. You held them in. He knows the words that were expressed through tears, and he knows the words that you could hardly get out because you were laughing so hard in that moment. He knows the ones that you wish you could take back, and he knows the words you wish you would have said, but you didn't. He knows the ones that are long forgotten. And this is interesting to think about, but for many of us, he even knows the words that we will speak to people that have not even been born yet. In the future, he knows the words already. He hears them all. He knows them all. And we still have this tendency to wonder, is this good or is it bad that God knows all this about me? But I want to tell you for a minute about the good news of God knows. And here's what he says at the end. Verse 5. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hands on me. For David, the fact that God knew everything about him was good news. He loved it. He was showing adoration as he wrote these words. He wasn't fearful of this fact. He was glad of it. And he knew something that I'm hoping that I learn and that we can all learn together. That honest communication with God, honest communion with God, is a really safe place to be. It's where we want to be for a few different reasons. One, because like I've just said, God knows already. We can't pretend. We can't hide things from him. And if you know from life experience, whenever you've had to carry a secret around with you of something you did or someone else has done, as soon as somebody finds out, as soon as you have the courage to tell somebody, it feels like a weight has been lifted. The fact that you can talk about it with someone else, share it with somebody else, that's good news. And so we can know with God that he knows them all. And so when we come to him, we can talk about them all without fear the weight is lifted. We also know because this verse, verse 5, tells us 
that we already have his blessing as his children. We're surrounded by him. He's out in front of us. I always talk about in my story, every time I tried to run away from God, I ran into him. He's always out ahead of me, and he's always behind me. He's not going to let me fall back and fall away and leave me behind. He surrounds us, and he has a sovereign hand of blessing on our lives, a promise, security, in a relationship with him, that anything he knows or finds out about us is not going to change that. Not because of who we are, but because of how awesome our God is and how great his love is for us. And the last thing I would say is that God knows truth. I mean, if you think about it, if God knows everything, if he created everything, he knows everything about everything and every possible situation and where we could go and what we could do, that means that God has to know what's right and he has to know what's wrong. He has to know what's true and what's false. And so we live in a world and a culture where it's like, it seems like truth is up for grabs. Everyone's trying to make their own truth, do their own thing, say you can make up your own truth, whatever it may be. But if we believe this about God, then we have to say he knows the truth. He is the truth. And that means he can be trusted. That means with whatever we're dealing with or feeling or trying to figure out what we're supposed to do, he can be trusted. And it means he's always going to lead us in the way that leads to life, to real life. He wants what's best and he knows which way we need to go because he knows all things. And so when he, you feel this nudge or you feel like he's leading you to go do this or to say this, whatever it may be, it might be really hard and it might be really scary, but the good news is we can trust that he knows where that road leads. And he knows that it's going to take us to a good place, even if it's hard to go there. And so here's something that I've been telling students forever, and I mostly just try to remind myself of this. And I think it's hard for us to believe because it's not always our experience in life. But with God, here's the truth. The one who knows you the best loves you the most. The one who knows you the best loves you the most. And we spend so much of our life trying to hide things from people because we're afraid if they know that, they won't love me. And it's just the opposite with our God. He knows the good and the bad and the ugly and the messy, and he loves you anyway. And that's really good news. And then verse 6, I love, because it's as if David, like, tells us all this stuff about God's knowledge, and then he just goes, like, blows my mind. That's basically what he's saying here. He says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too lofty for me to attain. Like, I can't, I don't, I can't wrap my arms around it. I can't wrap my mind around it. How could God know all that and still love me? And yet it's true. It seems like it would be too good to be true, but it's true. So here's how I would end thinking about communion as we seek uh, these weeks to lean into communion with our God. Um, that the power of communion with God is not in our ability to know everything or to understand everything about God. We have a joy and a privilege that we get to have his word in our hands and we get to read it and we get to pray and we get to have community with each other, study his word, encourage one another. And I think day by day we learn more and more about who he is and about how much he loves us. But our communion with him is not based so much on that as it is on 
his knowledge of us and the fact that because he knows everything, he can be just who he needs to be. He can do just what he needs to do. He can send just the people that need to come into our life to encourage us and walk with us. And we can trust him in those things and that he loves us completely. Even though he knows us fully, he loves us completely. And Jesus did that for us. He made that possible because Jesus knew just how deep the Father's love was for us. He knew how great his desire was for communion and community and relationship. And he decided he would come to this earth and that he would give up his life so that we could be in communion with God the Father, so that we could be called his children and experience this incredible relationship that he calls us to. So I'm praying now as we head into these next three weeks, continue to look at the rest of this psalm, that God will draw us so near that we will understand more and more about who he is and who he calls us to be in relationship with him. And I'm just going to give you one, one application to try out this week. And I've been trying it this last week, and it's been helpful for me uh, as I've prayed to the Lord. And that's just to start your prayers with these words. Lord, you know. Or Jesus, you know. God, you know. Because I think it helps us be open and honest with what we're feeling and wanting. When I say, as I worry about my kids, they're all off all over the place, around the country doing different things, and I get concerned, and I hope that they're doing okay. And so when I start that prayer about my kids, Lord, you know where my kids are. You know what they're doing. You know what they need. You know what they're feeling in their hearts. You know where they are in relationship with you. It helps me with the rest of that prayer about them just to be leaning into him and trusting him when I can say, Lord, you know that you love them more than I do. I can trust him more. And maybe that's just walking into school in the morning or in at work and you can say, Lord, you know who you want me to be today in this place. You know the opportunities you're going to give me. Help me see them. Help me be bold and step into them. Help me say the words that you want me to say. Whatever it may be, I think as we say that to the Lord and we just continue to admit that he is big and he is great and he knows it's going to be helpful for us as we desire to spend time and walk with him and experience true communion. Our God is really good and he really loves you and wants to be with you. Let's pray. Lord, you know where our hearts are this morning. You know all the things going on in our relationships. You know our hurts and our desires and our longings. You know what we are struggling to believe about you. You know the obstacles that are in the way, and we want to give them all to you this morning. We want to tell you that we trust you, that we want to be with you. Even if we don't want to be with you, that we want to want to be with you. So help us in that. Draw us near. Show us your love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.